Have you ever held on to something though, refusing to let it go because you believed it would be a great injustice, right? Um, we've done that. Um, and Janelle and I, early on in our, in our marriage, in our relationship, we had a really bad habit of doing that. And in fact, um, I wanna actually invite my wife up on the platform. You know what's really funny about this? She has no idea that I was gonna like have her come up here. And that's why she's like, why does he have this microphone in his pocket? And it's because I was gonna give it to her right there. So, man. surprise, yay, me give my wife a hand. Um, <laughs> So uh, she keeps me out of all sorts of trouble. Um, she challenges me to grow, but not nearly as much as I challenge her to grow on a regular basis. Um, and so we were talking actually yesterday and uh, she kind of looked at me and she's like, babe, we've been married for how long? Four and a half years. Four and a half years, man, it's great. Um, and um, how would you characterize that first year? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Two people have been single for a while, running their own households. So very, you know, we each wear the pants in our house. Yeah. And uh, then we both have kids. We're both single parents. So if you wrapped it up in like one word, what would you say? It's like a whirlwind of just yeah, like I blending say, and yeah. everybody's stuff. And... <laughs> and we had lots of opportunities just to, um, to hurt each other, didn't we? Yes. And uh, this is the thing, because we'd been in our own households for so long, um, we just had different tactics for dealing with those pain. But the thing that we had in common is that we really didn't like to let it go. Um, we held on to things. Would you say that's fair? <laughs> yes. uh, and both of us were kind of guilty. And so, um, and, and when we do that, it, it becomes really really difficult. And it'd be really easy to pick up an offense, right? I mean, that's simple. Holding it is, is what gets really difficult. I'm going to ask my wife to do a favor. Um, so we've started exercising. So she's getting in, in better shape. We're getting in better shape. But um, can you pick up that water bottle for me, honey? That's pretty easy. You just hold it. You can hold it. So, um, and that's not hard, right? And so it's easy. It's really easy to pick up offenses. But, um, but if we hold on to it, if you were to hold that out, um, and so you can't let it drop, right? And so it's really easy at first. And so it's what we kind of do in our lives and our relationships. It's what we did in our marriage at first. Something would happen, something would take place and we would pick it up and we would walk around with it. I remember our first really big fight. I held on to something for three days, refusing to talk to my wife. Um, and, and I just didn't want to let it go. And, and when we do that, it begins to, to impact us in significant ways. Day one, maybe it's pretty easy. Day two, week two month two. And the longer and longer that we hold on to those things, the more difficult it is. Is it getting harder to hold that? A little bit. A little bit, right? And so, and that's what we say. We go into our relationships. It's like, it's fine. Um, I remember it was probably about a year into our marriage. And so our first wedding anniversary, it was really spectacular. I was walking down the highway as I left my wife in the truck. Um, <laughs> um, you guys ever been there? All my married people say amen, right? Um, where you've been in any relationship. Um, and obviously we've grown past that, but you know, the thing we had to learn to do just to set things down and to forgive. Um, because this is what I've learned about my wife. There's never gonna be a shortage of things that I can hold against her. And it's not, that's not unique to her. That's just people, right? I mean, we all have our stuff. And this is what my wife has surely come to know about me. There will never be a shortage of things for her to hold against me. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but, but when we pick these things up, they become heavy. So how's your arm now? Starting to feel the burn a little bit? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you guys think she can hold it through my whole message? I won't do that to her. Yeah. Like, pick the low arm. <laughs> but, but eventually, eventually those things become so heavy that they do, they, they weigh us down. 
And we, we can go a really long time holding on to the things in our lives and, and not feeling like it's impacted us at all, um, not feeling like it's hindered us in any way. But the truth of the matter is, eventually, eventually it gives out. I can tell that her arms just dropped a little bit already, so I don't feel like she's being completely honest about how much it's burning. Um, <laughs> but, but eventually, she's not going to be able to hold that. That eventually it is going to drop and, and everything's going to crash down. Um, so thank you, honey, for, for helping me um, demonstrate the beginning. Guys, you can take that mic with you now. <laughs> so tonight's message is titled this, Under Siege. And if you haven't figured it out, the thing that we want to talk about tonight is unforgiveness. Now, unforgiveness is the opposite of forgiveness. And forgiveness is like when we let things go. Like it's not saying that something's okay. It's just saying that we're not going to seek retribution for it, that we're going to give it to God and we're going to move on. And, and that's what we're called to. But, but unforgiveness it's, it's like putting our lives um, under siege. Now, what a siege is, if you're not familiar with this term, it's defined as this, a military operation in which the enemy force, uh, forces surround a town or a building, cutting off essential, say essential, essential supplies with the aim of compelling the surrender of those inside. Now, whether you guys realize this or not, or whether you want to buy into it or admit it, we're all fighting day in and day out. Now, the thing is, it's a spiritual battle that we're in. And, and a lot of times we focus on, on the physical, the things we see out, out here. But the, the truth of the matter is there's things that's taking place um, that we can't see with our eyes, but we can sense them inside. And, and unforgiveness is a siege weapon of the enemy. It's something that he uses to, to surround our lives and something that he uses to begin to cut us off from things that, that are essential in our relationships and in our lives, to cut us off from things like trust. Like, like we, we need to trust people. Like, and, and it causes us to want to be independent. And you might be like, Pastor Ann, I thought it was good to be independent. No. It's actually not God's created us to be interdependent on one another. And so when he gets us in this place of being hurt, this place of being wounded, when we've picked something up and maybe we're not aware of it, what it does is it causes us to cut people off in our lives, to cut us ourselves off from things that are essential. And eventually we begin to harden our hearts, not just to people, but to God. And eventually we begin to lose sight of who we were created to be, of our purpose. And little by little, something that was so easy to pick up in the beginning becomes this tool that the enemy is used to choke the life out of us to the place that we come of just surrender. I know for me early on, um, some of you may know this, my story was this, that, that I was actually sexually abused as a child from about eight to 11. And I, and I held that and I held on to that. And the enemy used it to beat me down for years and years and years to a place where I finally surrendered. I surrendered to addiction. I surrendered to a lie that, that I was worthless, and I surrendered um, to, to everything that the enemy wanted me to do. And I lost sight of God. I lost sight of God's purpose. And that's what unforgiveness is. It's, it's, a, it's a siege weapon that the enemy uses to push us further and further away from God. And the great lie is that we hold on to it willingly, thinking that, that we're getting back at those that have hurt us, that, that we think that we're fighting back. We think that we're being strong. I'm so strong. I've held on to this grudge for, for 20 years. Look at me. I'm so powerful. And the enemy's laughing because we're burning our lives down. And the only, only way out of it is to forgive, to surrender, 
and to step back and say, God's got this. I'm no longer gonna be held captive by this lie and I'm gonna move to a place of forgiveness. And so unforgiveness is this tool that the enemy uses to tear us down. I wanna share with you guys out of Ephesians. And so um, if you have your Bibles, this is our key passage. We're gonna be in Ephesians 4. We're gonna start in verse 17 though. And I'm gonna walk us through some of this. And and the thing that we wanna talk about is, man, it's so easy It's so easy to want to take the offenses in our lives, to take the hurts, the wounds, and to hold on to them. And in fact, you know, we live in this culture that that tells us it's okay. And so when we talk about forgiveness, there may be some of you in this room right now that like, that's nonsense. Like, it's okay if somebody hurt me. It's an eye for an eye, right? We've all heard that and, and... you know, it's biblical in some sense, but it's just not New Testament. And we think that it's okay to hold these things against the people around us. And again, culture, culture pushes this notion on us, but, but God's word says something different. And so Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 says this, with the Lord's authority, this is the apostle Paul speaking, I say this, live no longer, say no longer. <laughs> live no longer as Gentiles do. So Gentiles are anyone who's not, a child of God. Anyone who doesn't know Jesus would be a Gentile in today's culture. So live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened, say hardened, and harden their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And so the first thing I want you guys to focus on here is, is Paul says this, no longer live as people outside of the church, that, that when we've stepped into recovery, where we're pursuing Christ, we're called to live differently. We're called to live in the way that God's called us to. Culture may say it's okay to hold on to things forever. In fact, I can't tell you how many news stories I see where people are pulling up social media accounts for 20 years ago and hold it against people and people are losing college scholarships and they're getting fired. And and that's the culture we live in. And so the more we see that, the more we think it's okay. But but God's saying, live no longer as Gentiles do. Don't don't look at those things and, and take your cues on life from that, that you're called to live differently. And he said, in fact, when you do that, the thing that you begin to do is you begin to harden your heart. Now, a hard heart cuts us off from the voice of God. It cuts us off from the call of God. It cuts us off from the identity that God has. And he continues in verses 20 through 24. He said, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. That these are the things that the world says, but we're called to live differently. And we've been given this picture of who God is in Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to our recovery, when it comes to pursuing life differently, we can't take our cues from the world. We have to take what we've learned about Christ. But this isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth, say the truth. The truth doesn't always look like the world says it looks, right? The the world throws all sorts of truths at us. And the truth of the matter is they're they're all lies, And so this isn't what you've learned, that that when we begin an endeavor to to lead a life that's led by Jesus, when we learn more about Christ, when we begin to recover differently, there's things that we learn about ourselves and the way we should live that are different, and those are the truths. I know for me that that was an addiction for a long time, but I continued to go about it the world's way, and I was trapped for a long time. And it wasn't until I learned the truth of what Christ had done for me and the freedom that he paid for at the cross that it wasn't until then that I found true freedom. In my relationships, when I approached relationships the world's way, they were always a mess, always a wreck. And anytime I do that with my wife today, man, it doesn't go, it doesn't go very well. 
And I have to go back to the truth that I've learned. And so he continues, this isn't what um, you've learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, say throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And so we're called to something different when we, when we endeavor to recover through Jesus Christ, which I believe is the only way to freedom. We have to throw off that sinful nature. We have to throw off these deceptions. Unforgiveness is one of those. Well, unforgiveness is one of those things that, that the enemy uses to keep Jesus followers like you and I trapped forever. And so we have to throw this off. We have to pursue something different. It's just put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. But I like that one part. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. This is what I've learned about forgiveness. And, and I've received an abundance of forgiveness in my life. And I've also had to give it. Um, and it was something that I could never do on my own. That, that it was through letting the Spirit renew my thoughts and my attitudes, that, that I had to hand it over to God. There's things that have happened to me, and I'm, I'm certain of this. There's things that have happened to you that that person deserves punishment. That person, maybe you feel like, deserves to be hurt because they've hurt you. They've done these things, and I don't want to minimize that in any of this. I want to recognize how difficult that is, but the truth of the matter is that when we approach this, it's not through our own power that we forgive. It's by allowing God's spirit to renew our thoughts and our attitudes that he does that work in us, that, that there's still times that, that I attempt to pick things back up from my past too, and I gotta give it back to God and let him do the work and surrender it all to him. And so put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And he goes on and says, stop telling lies and let, our neighbor, um, and let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Unforgiveness is this place of anger, whether we want to admit it or not, that we've held on to something. And sometimes it's subtle. There may be things, again, that as I speak that are coming to the forefront of your mind tonight, and I want you to hold on to those. Don't pass over them because we've all had opportunities to be offended. And the likeliness of us not having held on to something at some point in time, let's face it, are pretty slim. So at any point tonight, God begins to press something in your heart. Write it down, dwell on it, think about it. But, but don't let anger control you. Says, um, he says, and don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And so it's, don't sin by letting anger control you. It's not a sin to be angry. It's not, it's not a sin to, to be hurt, to be wounded. But, but letting those things dominate you and control you is where we lose sight, where we fall off course, that again, that the people have hurt me. For me to be upset with them and what they've done, there was nothing wrong with that. For me to hold on to it for decades and let it rule my life, that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. Um, so don't, let sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold, say foothold, a foothold to the devil. And so again, this is a weapon that the enemy uses to lay siege to our lives. And, and when we give them this foothold, it's a place where they set up camp. And, and, and even though we try to move forward, there he is. There's the offense. There's the problem. There's the person. And it begins to infiltrate every area of our life, every relationship, every move that we try to make going forward. And the devil, the enemy has this foothold and he doesn't let go. 
And so when we let anger, when we let unforgiveness into our hearts and we allow it to control, this is exactly what happens. And he goes on, he says, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So unforgiveness leads us down this path of, of, of sin. And, and I can't tell you how many times I trash people I'm mad at. I'm still guilty of that. That, that man, when I hold on to an offense, the quickest way for me to recognize it is how I'm talking about that person. Maybe in my mind, maybe to other people, that, that it's this thing that the enemy takes his foothold and it drives our attitudes and our thoughts. And I love that part. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. We have to watch our actions. And unforgiveness is something that brings sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. He finishes it up in verse 31 and 32. And it says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. How many of you know that, that unforgiveness leads to those things 10 times out of 10? That, that if we're called to live this way and, and we're called to get rid of this unforgiveness, it leads to that bitterness, to that rage, to that anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behaviors. Instead, say instead. Yeah. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another. Why? Because they deserve it? No. More often than not, no. There's so many people I've forgiven that didn't deserve it. My wife has forgiven me a number of times, and I don't deserve any of those. But she doesn't forgive me because of me. That, that we're called for, to forgiveness just as God through Christ forgave you. We're called to forgive because we've been forgiven. We're called to forgive because that's the path to living and leading the life that God's called us to. We're called to forgive because that's the pathway, the doorway to recovery and freedom from your past. That we're called to forgive again because God through Christ has forgiven you. It has nothing to do with the other people. It has nothing to do with what they've done or what they didn't do. It's all between us and God. And again, the great lie is that unforgiveness somehow punishes those around us. And I've heard it said this way, that, that holding on to something, that, that being unforgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that's what we do. We bottle it up and, and, and we drink and we drink and we drink and we just, we wait for their lives to, to be erect and to be a mess. And, and really, they're often oblivious to what we're going through, but that bitterness, that rage, that anger, man, it's cancerous and it eats at our heart and it eats at our soul and it slowly chokes the life out of us because it's a siege weapon by the enemy and that's exactly what it's designed to do. And so we should get rid of it. And again, be forgiving to one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Unforgiveness creates a domino effect in our life. It starts off so easy to pick it up and to walk around with it and to hold it and we think that we're doing a, a good thing, but eventually it gets heavy. Eventually it weighs us down. Eventually it strips us of all the things that God intended for us. Eventually it wrecks our recovery. It wrecks our relationships. It, it, it wrecks our walk with God. When we pick up those things and we hold on to them and we have to learn to set it, set it down and to forgive and to move on before it dominoes into our lives. And even though you may be mad at this person, Eventually, you've hardened your heart to this person. Eventually, you can no longer trust anybody in any relationship. Eventually, 
You've silenced God's voice in your life, not because he's not speaking to you, because you've hardened your heart so much towards him. And eventually you find yourself isolated and alone, angry and bitter at the world, when in fact you did it all to yourself. And so again, we have to learn to deal with this. We have to learn to move to a place of forgiveness. And so in the absence of quickly forgiving, this is what happens. That, that offense takes root in our lives and it just goes deeper. And the longer we hold on to it, the further it's spread and the more areas of our lives that it's impacted and touched. And that's why, and it's important. That's why God says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let it go till tomorrow because the longer you let it go, the deeper that root is in your life and the harder it is to remove. And so we can't let these things go on. We have to deal with them immediately. And so what, what I wanna talk about tonight are three things, specific things that unforgiveness keeps us from, that this is what it is. How is it gonna hinder you? Because I know this, that it's hard to move to that place where we're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to let it go. I'm ready to deal with it. And so hopefully we can encourage you by by shedding some light on what you're missing out on, on what you're missing out on. And so um, number one is this, it keeps us from a relationship with God. Point number one, unforgiveness comes between us and God. Unforgiveness comes between us and God. This also means it comes between us and what God wants for us. That you may be in a season in your life and you're wondering, why doesn't God hear me? Why isn't God moving? And, and you're full of bitterness and rage, maybe, and maybe it's justified in your mind. Maybe somebody's really done something to you. But the truth of the matter is that, that unforgiveness, it, it impacts our relationship with God. There's no way around that. It hardens our heart to his, to his voice. It hinders his ability to move, not because of any desire on his heart or his part, but, but it's all on us because we won't do what we need to do to set these things down. Unforgiveness, it builds walls between us and God. Here's the thing, like Jesus came to forgive us, to tear that wall down so we could have a relationship with Christ. Unforgiveness puts it right back up. It cuts us off from what God has for us. And so I wanna share with you out of Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13 is where we're gonna start. And so I wanna start with something very familiar. Anybody in here, you've heard the Lord's prayer, right? You know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Um, and so it goes, uh, pray like this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And if you're wondering why this is different, this is new living translation, not King James, which is probably how you heard it. Um, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And so I think if you grew up in Oklahoma, like you probably grew up here in this. Um, I don't know if it's like that beyond. I know this, I didn't grow up in church, but I, I always heard the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, and we know it, we're familiar. It's on coffee mugs and you know, it's on grandma's wall and, and all sorts of things, man. It's just, it's one of those things that we can't get away from. Um, and Jesus, he was teaching his disciples to pray and it's a great tool. Like it teaches us um, some really good pointers for prayer. And it's not that we should repeat this. There's just elements of it that have to do with prayer. What comes next, though, is so important and so often overlooked. And it says this, if, say if, if you forgive those who sin against you, 
your heavenly father will forgive you. So I thought Jesus came and forgave us all and, and that was it. We say a prayer and we raise our hand and, and that, that's it, right? Right, right. Well, let's look at this other part and it says, but, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty heavy. I mean, that forgiveness is such a big deal to God that it's his free gift. And there's nothing we can do to earn it. That's not what this is about. But, but there's, a, there's something that it does to our heart that it cuts us off from God. And it's not his willingness to forgive us and to move in our lives, that, that it does something to us. It does something to our ability to receive God's gift of forgiveness when we harden our hearts to other people and refuse to forgive them. Again, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. That's such an incredible statement. That's such an incredible thing from God. And it's something so often overlooked. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk because people hurt me. People have offended me. I'm justified. It's within my right to hold on to this. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Forgive because I've forgiven. And, and, and you need to do this if you want me to be able to move in your life. The amplified version. And again, if you're in here and you're like, I don't really understand this. You said King James earlier, then you're in new living. Um, but there's lots of Bible translations. They're all kind of off the same text. They're written in different ways. The amplified is incredibly just cool because what it does is it expands. There's these square brackets um, where it kind of gives you more information. If you guys have the Version Bible app, you can go to the events tab. You can download tonight's message notes. And this is in here, every translation, every verse that we'll ever use in here. But the Amplified says this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, that's the sins. And then it has an expanded part and it says their reckless and willful sins. So if you forgive those, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, and again, we have these brackets that expanded it, nurturing your hurt, Nurture, I like it, nurturing your hurt. It's what we really do, right? We take offenses and we nurture it. It's like we bottle feed it. It's okay, precious, you know? And we keep feeding it. We keep, I can't believe they did that to us, right? And we, we nurture these wounds and these hurts and they continue to grow bigger and bigger. Nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God. That's incredible, isn't it? So if you don't forgive others, and, it, and it's with this mindset of nurturing hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, your unforgiveness has the ability and the power to put a wall in between you and God. It has the ability to cut you off from God's voice. Maybe you're in a season right now and you feel so far from God. And the whole time you've like, why have you abandoned me, God? Why have you forsaken me? Why aren't you moving in my life? And maybe it's the fact that there's a relationship out there where you're nurturing a hurt, you're nurturing a wound, and it may be justified, but you're holding on to it and you're the one keeping God from speaking into your life, from moving in your situation. And so interferes with your relationship with God, then your father will not forgive you your trespasses, that we have the ability to cut ourselves off from God when we harbor and hold on to unforgiveness. It's poison. It's poison in our lives. It kills us and it kills our ability to hear from God. It kills God's ability to be able to move in our lives. Again, not because of him, 
but because of us and because of what we've done. Mark eleven twenty five says this, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Again, that's Mark eleven twenty five. 25. It says it a little different. But when you were praying, first forgive anyone. Say anyone. 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 That's everyone. Anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Unforgiveness, it affects our character and integrity. And, and grudges, they just don't bring out the best in us, right? They cut us off from God, but they do more than that. It causes us to lose sight of who we are. And point number two is that our offense skews our identity. Our offense skews our identity. So point number one, unforgiveness comes between us and God. Point number two, our offense skews our identity. Pain becomes our identity when we're unforgiving, right? That, that, that's the character that we identify. Um, but Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says this. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. So again, that's that person. That's somebody who stepped into a relationship with Jesus. They're a Christ follower. Since you've been raised to new life. Again, that's putting on that new nature. We talked about it in the beginning. So you're this person. It says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And I think it's so interesting that he's saying, listen, you've become a child of God. You've stepped into a relationship with me. You're an heir to Christ. You're, you're sons and daughters of God. You've done this. Take your focus off the world and set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then it says this, it says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So again, we need to shift our focus. That includes the things that have happened to us. And so it goes on. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. What that's saying is that when we become Jesus followers and we begin to do this, our identity is no longer one of this world, that our identity is different. And so our identity that's found in Christ is chosen, forgiven, redeemed, free, right? Like we've, we have all of these child of God, heir of Christ, that this is our identity in Jesus. But remember, our offense skews our identity. And so unforgiveness, it gives us a new identity. Wounded, hurt, prisoner, unloved. Right? We begin to put on those, those things of the past and we begin to wear those and, and we begin to, to view life differently and, and we begin to live like Gentiles do and, and we lose sight of what God has for us and we step in back into the past and, and the things that we used to carry and hold on to. It skews our identity. He continues in eight through 10, it says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Man, where did we hear that again? I don't know, it's earlier, right? That, that's all the things that unforgiveness bring in our lives. And so it says, don't lie to each other for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. That, then again, we've stepped into this relationship with Christ. We've been called to live like Jesus. Jesus forgives. And it says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Unforgiveness is so difficult, but it's not something that we're meant to do on our own. Again, God's word tells us to forgive because we've been forgiven and, and to put on our new nature and, and become like Christ. 
to again to lean into him, to follow him and, and allow him to do this work in our heart. It wasn't in my own power that I've ever forgiven anybody truly. It's because of what Christ did through me and, and what he does to me daily that I'm able to let go of things. The relationship I have with my wife today, it's not because of us. We're two broken people going through this world, but, but we're able to grow in our relationship and we're able to have a good marriage because we take all of the things that we do to each other and we view it through the lens of what Christ has called us to. And that becomes our compass. Not, not what the world says. The world would probably have told her a long time ago, man, ditch that dirt bag. He, you know, I mean, I've done plenty of things that, that she could be justified. But, but Christ says, man, don't, don't do that. Put on your new nature. Live like, live like Christ did and forgive because he forgave. He forgave you. And he continues um, in verse 12. And it says, since God shows you, since God shows you to be the holy people that he loves, again, our identity is found in him. We're, we're God's chosen and we need to act like it. Unforgiveness skews that identity. We lose sight of it. And instead of feeling like we're God's chosen, we feel like the forsaken, the beaten, the abandoned, the abused. And those are all labels that the enemy wants us to wear. So we lose sight of who God's called us to be. And since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, all the things that unforgiveness keeps us from. And then he goes on and he says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone. Say anyone. anyone. Sometimes I hate that word, anyone. I mean, when God's telling me to do something that's difficult and I think of all the anyone's in this world, you know, the people who drive slow, the people who take me off in the store, I mean, the people that, that have offended me, that hurt me, that maybe vote differently than me, all of those people, those are all anyone's. That, that God's called us. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, there it is again. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Why? Because they deserve it? No. Because God forgave you. That, that when we talk about forgiveness, that it's, it's never through the lens of this is what they deserve. It's always through the lens of this is what Christ did for me it's what I'm called to do for them. And forgiveness doesn't say it's okay. Forgiveness never says that what they did was okay. Forgiveness doesn't say you have to trust them again. Forgiveness says, God forgave me. I'm gonna forgive you. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna move on. And so again, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Point number three is this. It keeps us from our purpose. For unforgiveness keeps us from our purpose. Um, two of the greatest days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you discover why. And unforgiveness keeps us from recognizing and fulfilling our purpose. That, that's the why is our purpose. And that purpose is directly tied to our ability to imitate God. That the things that we do, the things that God's called us to are always tied to our ability to be Christ-like. And it could be any number of things. Maybe it's just the way you smile, how generous you are, you know, how you are at work. But whatever your purpose is, it requires you to imitate Christ. Well, who, who was Christ? Son of God, who sacrificed himself, who died so every single one of us could be forgiven. 
And so unforgiveness is the exact opposite of what Jesus came to do. And so if we fall into the camp of unforgiveness, we're doing exactly opposite of what Christ has called us to do. And so it keeps us from our purpose. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. And so this picks right up where we left off at the beginning in Ephesians 4, 32. Um, But it says this, imitate God. Say imitate God. Imitate God, therefore, in everything. Say everything. Everything Everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, not hatred, not bitterness, not unforgiveness. Again, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his children. That's that identity. We got to know our identity to fulfill our purpose. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Again, that example is he laid down his life to forgive us. Every single one of those points that a passage that we forgive because we've been forgiven. And so if we're gonna live a life that's pursuing God's purpose, we better be imitating Christ. And Christ came to forgive, so we should forgive. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us as a pleasing aroma to God. That in everything that we do, it has to be tied back to, to being Christ-like. And unforgiveness it's the thing that will keep you from everything that God has called you to. I want to take just a moment, and I want to do something just a little bit different. Um, if you guys uh, would do this, if you just take a moment, close your, close your eyes, bow your head if you need to, and, and I want you to do this. I want you to spend just a moment, to spend just a moment and, and maybe think about a person or a situation that God's maybe laid on your heart where you've held on to an offense, where you've refused to let it go, and, and maybe you just realize tonight that, that it's beginning to hinder you. Or, or maybe you realize tonight that, that it's the entire reason you're where you're at. What we're going to do now is we're just going to pray that God softens our hearts and help us to forgive. And Father God, I just... I just pray for every individual in here, God. I pray that as you've brought something to the forefront of their mind, Lord, that you would help them to to soften their heart toward what you've called them to do. Lord, help them to, to to recognize your call for us to be like Jesus. And in that call, God, our heart, our command to forgive. And Lord, I help I pray that you would help them to set that offense down. I pray that you would help them to recognize, Lord the crushing weight of it all in their life and the way that it's hindered them in their relationships and in their recovery. And Lord, I pray that, that right now where they're at, Lord, that you would help them to, to set that down forever, Lord, to, to walk away and to be forgiving to, to whoever and to whatever they need to, Lord. And we thank you for this and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. To recap tonight, unforgiveness comes between us and God, that, that when we hold on to those offenses, when we hold on to those things in our lives, that it, it places the wall right back in between us and God. And not only does it keep us from God, but it keeps us from the things that God has for us, that he wants for us, that, that there's a different life that, that we can live, that we can lead, and unforgiveness keeps us trapped in our past. Number two, our offense skews our identity. Our identity is found in Jesus And when we hold on to those wounds, when we refuse to let things go, no matter how justified they are, it causes us to lose sight of who we are in Christ Jesus. And then number three, 
it keeps us from our purpose. That you were called to something great. And that, that includes being like Jesus, living a life like he lived. And, and unforgiveness is the exact opposite of that and exactly why the enemy wants to keep you trapped there. And so again, it keeps us from our purpose. A um, couple action steps tonight. Number one, identify areas of unforgiveness in your life. I can't stress how important it is to, to meditate on this. There may be things that you've forgotten about Wounds that, that impact you today, maybe from your childhood, things that, that you don't even recognize, that you've been holding on to for so long that you've forgotten it's there. But the power it has over your life, the damage that it's causing, it's still there. And so we need to take time to recognize those things. And if you've walked through any of our curriculum, you can use our identify sheets to help, to help pull that stuff to the surface, as painful as it is, and begin to forgive and to move on. Number two, offer forgiveness to those on that list. Write those things out, offer forgiveness to them. Allow God to work and to move in those situations. Determine the best way to accomplish this. And number three, if necessary, ask for forgiveness from those you've wronged. That it's important for us to forgive and it's important for us to be forgiven if possible. And so if there's just the weight of, of maybe people you've wounded, that can be damaging in our lives too. And so if you can go and be forgiven and if they refuse, remember this, God's forgiveness is complete. Whether they let you go or not, God's forgiveness is complete. And I don't know about you, I struggled with this one for years because in almost 20 years of addiction, you do some pretty awful things pretty awful things. And I held on and I held on and I, I, I cast myself as unworthy, unredeemable and, and all sorts of things. And it's equally important for us to recognize that, that we can be forgiven too and that we need to be forgiven and that we are, that it's complete what Christ did at the cross. And so all of this, it starts with Jesus. It starts with a, with a relationship with him, with accepting his gift of salvation and forgiveness on the cross. And so if that's you tonight, if you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus, you've never accept, accepted that gift of forgiveness, we wanna encourage you that um, at the end of service to come down front, we're gonna have our chip prayers and huggers up here and they would love to pray with you and for you and lead you into a relationship with Jesus. And if you're in here tonight and, and maybe you've made that decision before, but you've gotten off track, you've messed up, missed it, you've been far from God, I want you to know this, it's never too late to come back and to say, God, I need you, I'm ready to come home. And so for those two things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time or, or to recommit again, we would love to pray with you or for you after service. And if this is too much, it's overwhelming, don't hesitate to find me or, or, or Janelle out in the lobby or or come up here during the week, Any, anything. We would just love to, to journey with you in that. And then if you're in here and, and God's really pressed something on your heart, maybe it's a person, a situation, any number of things, and you realize you've been holding on to this, we're gonna have our white chips up here at the front. And all it is, it's for you. And it's just something that you keep between you and God. It's not for us to see. You can write down today's date. You can write down what it is. But all you're saying is, God, I give this to you. That, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to deal with this. I've carried the weight of this far too long. And I'm going to allow you to work in this area of my life. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you've got something you want to celebrate. You want to go to God. And you want to recognize how faithful he is. Or maybe you're struggling and you just need somebody to journey with you. We would love to do that. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come join us out front. And if you guys could do this, if you could stand to your feet as we close in worship.